Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians. An interesting book and very popular. However, God did not get the Apostle Paul to write the book of Philippians in order to put really cool things on coffee mugs. You know, there's more to Philippians than little one verse quotes. And we're going to be having a look at that today. Before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now you might open our hearts and minds. Instruct us, teach us, we pray, so that we might be better servants of thine. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sitting down in the back row, we have one of my Bible college students. And I'm going to say, take notes. There will be questions Monday night. Okay? Right. Philippians. Does anybody know where Philippi is? Could you? Yeah, good. Macedonia. Macedonia. It is. Not according to the Greeks. It's in Greece according to the, to the Greek, but it, according to the Macedonians, it's in Macedonia. It is 12, 12 13 kilometers from the port of Neapolis. What do we know about the church in Philippi? Well, actually, we know a lot about the church in Philippi because in Acts chapter 12, we have the founding of the church in Philippi. In fact, we'll, we'll take a quick look at that. Acts chapter 16, verse 12. Acts 16, 12. But a little bit of background about Philippi. Philippi, they said, they guessed somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people. It's a pretty decent sort of a place. 10 to 15,000 people living in there. There will be roughly in that city between 50 and 60 percent would be either slaves or peasants. Okay? 50 to 60% of the population was either slaves or peasants. Not a lot of difference between those two. Of those who were not in that group, about 60% would be Greek ancestor, Greek background, free citizens, okay? But they were not Roman citizens, okay? They were free people, but they were not Roman citizens. On top of that, would there would be about one to 2,000 people who were Roman citizens. We're told in Acts chapter 16, in verse 12, uh, that they came to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a <coughs> colony. A colony. Now, when, when we think of a colony, we think of, you know, 
uh, a couple of boatloads of English people in red coats carrying muskets, terrorising the natives and starting a colony. It's not that sort of colony at all. Nothing like that. And here we have to understand a little bit about the way Rome ran. To be a Roman citizen, and remember, Paul was a Roman citizen, was a great privilege. There were three ways you could become a Roman citizen. You could be born one, as Paul was. You could purchase this citizenship, as it's recorded that he spoke to a centurion who had purchased his citizenship. Or you could get it by serving 25 years in the legion. Yeah. It was that valuable. But after you'd completed your 25 years as a legionnaire, not only did you get your Roman citizenship, you got a bonus. You got a lump of land. Oh. And, in, and after the Roman Civil War, if you want to look it up, that was, you know, Julius Caesar and Octavia and Cleopatra and, you know, being stabbed in the back by Brutus, that whole business. Shakespeare's got a really good run on it, if you want. Um, they demobilised some of the legions. And they retired the legionnaires. Guess where they gave them their land? Philippi. So they got this, this land and this area around Philippi, and they shipped in a bunch of ex-legionnaires. Now, you know, we did the same sort of thing in Australia. It's called the Soldier Settlement Scheme. So, into this Greek city of Philippi roll up hundreds of ex-Roman legionnaires. Now, they would have settled as farmers. Others would have sold their land and entered into jobs, you know, running businesses. It's very likely one of them probably took up the job as city jailer. would have been very common to see the head of the judiciary or the jailing area of a Roman city to be an ex-legionnaire. So, Philippi, it's prosperous. Philippi is very prosperous. It's got a good layer of Roman culture over the top, it had theatres, it had bars, it had everything you'd want there. Very comfortable place to live. It, it was a part of a road that connected, you could either go all the way across Greece or you could head down to um, Thessalonica. <coughs> Ideally spotted, great, great position. But there was something missing from Philippi that had been everywhere else that Paul had gone. Do you know what there wasn't in Philippi? A synagogue. Because when Paul went into a city, the first place he would go would be the synagogue. But here we find that on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And they went to a local place where people prayed. There was no synagogue. There were no Jews. Virtually no Jews in Philippi. 
To have a synagogue, you need, as a minimum, according to the rabbis, and they would know, 10 adult male Jewish men. That's the minimum. You don't have 10 adult male Jewish men, remembering you Jew became adult at 13. So there were not 10 Jews above 13 living in Philippi. Okay, so it's a very different place they've arrived at. And we know about the founding people who were in the church at Philippi. We have them recorded in Acts 16. There was Lydia. Lydia, a seller of purple, originally from Thyatira. Now, she sold purple. And you go, okay, she sold purple. No, no, no. That's, that, that, that tells you a lot about Lydia. Lydia was wealthy. Seriously wealthy. You see, wearing purple, you know, you're allowed to do it now. You can wear a purple top if you wanted. No, no law against it. But in Rome, to wear purple and not be of the correct class was a criminal offence. Wow. <laughs> so Lydia sold clothes to the wealthy. We are not talking Kmart or Target here. We are talking David Jones, Meyer and up. Up from there. That would have been her basement level, her entry level shopping would have been what you'd get at David Jones. She, and it went up from there. You had to be very, very wealthy to deal in purple. And this was Lydia, the first convert, convert in Europe. She says to Paul, come and, come and stay at my place. It's interesting that, now I, I, I said this to my students, but I'll, I'll think. We talked about the word of God being inspired. To what degree is it inspired? Did you know even the pronouns are inspired? Because it's recorded here that the writer of Acts starts to use the words us and we, indicating that he, Luke, was here with them. Some have even suggested that, that, that uh, Philippi was Luke's hometown. It's possible. It's evident also that he may have stayed after Paul and Silas left. He may have stayed in Philippi for some time. So we have the first convert, Lydia. The second convert, read about in verse 16, is a crazy slave girl. Possessed, demon possessed. Paul casts the evil spirit out of her and she's saved. The third group of converts is the Philippian jailer and his and his family. And then after all this, well, after Paul's been thrown into jail, and incidentally, when they tried to get him to leave quietly, he went, no, 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 no. You've beaten up and imprisoned a Roman citizen without due cause. 
You come here and you'll apologise to me before I'll leave or you will lose your jobs as magistrates. That's basically what he says. And they do. Being a Roman citizen carried with it certain privileges. And the right that you would not be arbitrarily, without due cause, arrested and locked up was one of them. It's It's interesting that they didn't arrest Luke. Because it's said there that these men being Jews troubled the city. Luke wasn't Jewish. So, off they go. That's all just preamble to understand <coughs> Philipp, the book of Philippians. Because Paul is now writing a letter to this church. How long had the church been running? About 12, 13 years. So the church is about as old as this one. Look around. You're in a Philippian church. (laughs) Who's sitting around you? Well, somebody's pretty wealthy. They're probably meeting in her home. Lydia. Who else is there? Well, there's a young teenage girl sitting over there who everybody knew as the crazy slave girl that gave prophecies. Who else is there? Oh, there's an ex-military man who used to be the local cop. Feel at home? (laughs) You should. You're in the Philippian church. A church just like this one. It's a church with, as far as I know, no Jews in it. It's a Gentile church. Just like this. We are here in the Philippian church and a letter comes from Paul. Wow. Would you like to get, you know, be sitting in in church? And who was it? Well, it's probably Epaphroditus is bringing it back. You get the news. Epaphroditus is in town. And next Sunday, he is going to read a letter from Paul. Be excited? I would be. Yeah, because remember these letters initially were not read on a one, one, you didn't sit down and read it, it would have been read out. So they gathered together, they may have had communion, they may have sung a hymn or two, they would have explained, yeah, this is this is what we're going to be doing in the next week or so. Okay? Maybe the kiddies have been moved out the back with some, you know, dried fruit and nuts and little bits of bread to keep them amused for a while while the adults gather together. And they're going to read for the first time the book of Philippians. Now, this is exciting. This is exciting stuff for people. We could sit and just read the whole thing through. And it'd be worth the time. And look, I I would ask you, do you want to get a grip of, of what Philippians is about? Read it all the way through in one sitting and imagine you've never heard it before. Any of us. 
And imagine the impact that it has on the people who are hearing it for the first time. They're going to listen to this and they're going to to hear it. And the question you have to ask yourself is why did Paul write a letter to this church? Why did he take the trouble? There were lots of other churches he could have written to. He did write to other churches. Why did he write this letter? And the next question, of course, is why did God preserve it for us? What is in this letter that's so important? Firstly, Paul writes it to give them a little bit of confidence in what's happening. He says to them, yes, I'm in jail, but hey, I've been there before. I'll probably be there again if they let me out. I'm in jail. In chapter 1, verse 12, he says, brethren, I would have you understand, I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. He's saying, folks, I'm in jail. But it really doesn't matter. Why? Because the way things always work out, it's for the gospel's sake. I'm I'm in jail. I've been in worse. And in in another passage you'll say, I, I know how to be happy in jail. I know how to be content when I'm in when I'm free, I know how to be content when I'm full. I've learned this. So he's saying, don't worry about me, basically. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. If I die, I go to heaven. If I live, maybe I can visit you guys again. Win-win. He's saying there is no downside here. There is nothing that you can look and say in this thing, oh, how terrible. No, he's saying, if I'm in jail for the gospel, it's good. Because guess what? Even the people in the palace guards have heard the gospel. And if I get released, I can come and visit you guys. Isn't that great? And if I die, I go to heaven. What's what's to lose here? And that was the first thing he said. (coughs) The second thing... Well, you see, we think of Philippi as a church without problems. No, it wasn't. Philippi was not a church without problems. Now, there was no doctrinal problem at at Philippi. You know, when he wrote to Thessalonica, he had to explain to them, Oh, you know, you guys, you've got it a bit mixed up about the return of Christ. We need you to to uh, to get you know get sorted out on that. And when he went, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, uh, "People, look, there's some behavioural issues here that we really have to deal with." 
And he, as he wrote to various churches, he would deal with behavioural issues, he would deal with doctrinal issues. In Philippians, there's neither of those. There's no false doctrine in Philippi. There's no blatant, outrageous sin in Philippi. But there's still a problem. Now remember, remember we said, imagine this being read out for the first time. For the first time. Now he's read it through. Epaphroditus is sitting there and he's reading it through. And he gets to chapter 4. Right. Chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, you're, you're sitting there. You're sitting there. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Hey, would you like Paul to say that about you? That you're dearly beloved of his? That, that he calls them my brethren. He's saying, you guys are, are close to my heart. I was there that, that 12 years ago when, when you first got saved. You've been here from the very beginning. And I love you guys. Wonderful. And then Epaphroditus, his voice starts to quaver a little bit. Starts to get a little bit of a tremor in it. And he says, I beseech Eudius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You thought it was quiet in the church at Philippi up until now. You could have heard the pin drop out of someone's toga at that point. Here it is. Here's the problem at Philippi. And don't think it was just those two women. That they were not of the same mind. Now, when people talk about the book of Philippians, they, they love to go on that Philippians is all about <coughs> rejoicing. You know, people tell you, Philippians is a book of the rejoicing church. And they will say to you, oh, um, the, the rejoice or, or a word like that is, uh, you know, used so many times in, in the book of Philippians, about 16, 17 times in Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used. Okay. You want to play with numbers? The word mind is used 29 times in the New Testament. One third of them is in the book of Philippians. One third of the times the word mind or like-minded or mind-like or have a mind or this mind is used in the book of Philippians. 
It's not about rejoicing, because you can only rejoice in the Lord if you have the right mind. Ah. You know, he, uh, he, he uses this term frequently in there. In, in chapter 2, he, he uses people to refer to someone who is like-minded. Uh, in chapter 3, he says, be thus-minded. Mind. What do we mean by mind in this concept here? What does it mean to be... I mean, we use the mind... The word mind in a, a lot of different ways, don't we? You know, someone bumps into you and you go, do you mind? Huh? Or we say, uh, you know, we offer someone a, a biscuit and they say, I don't mind if I do. Or we say, mind the step. We use it in a lot of different ways. So what way was Paul using the word mind here? He's talking about the way you think. You know, so, much, so many people, they think, that they get the idea that the New Testament is trying to tell you what to think. No, it's not. It's trying to teach you how to think. If you change the way you think, it'll change what you think about. And this is what Paul is getting at here. He says, I beseech these two lovely ladies, be of the same mind. Oh, well, if you want two people to be of the same mind, you'd better describe what sort of mind they need to have. He does that. Back over in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Fulfill ye my joy, verse 2. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Starting to see how common this word is cropping up here? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many times does he say that? One, two, uh, three, four. In, in four verses, he's used the word mind four or five times. Ah, mind. Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. Now he's saying, so he says to these two ladies, you thought that they were, he doesn't say which one is right and which one is wrong. You know why? They were both right. But 
they just had the diff had a different mind, a different way of looking at things. Probably had the same way of looking at things, and it was wrong. Let this mind be in you. So, what sort of mind was in the Lord Jesus? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What sort of mind did he have? It describes it here. And it says, first of all, who being in the form of God. The stature of the pre-incarnate Christ who was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, if, if I take something that doesn't belong to me, that's robbery. Okay? That's stealing. Paul's saying, for Christ to be equal with God was not robbing God. Because it was his, that position, equal with the Father, the same as. He says, yeah, in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus says, Have I been this long with you, Philip, and yet you haven't known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. It was not robbery for the Lord Jesus to be equal with God. That was the stature of the pre-incarnate Christ. And then, in verse 7, we have the servanthood of his life. But he made himself of no reputation. No reputation. Do you like having a good reputation? Well, the Lord Jesus had no reputation at all. You know, one of the, <coughs> one of the funny things you do have happen occasionally, and you, I don't know if any of you have ever had this happen to you, but I have. Have you ever had someone ask, do you know who I am? <laughs> They're boasting about their reputation. Do you know what the greatest reply to that is? When someone says, when you, you pull them up because they've done something wrong, and they say, do you know who I am? And so you go, <coughs> one moment, uh, VKC, this is Preston 910, I've got a crazy guy here who doesn't know who he is. <laughs> uh, he's walking around asking if people know who he is. You better get a psych unit down here. <laughs> do you know who I am? Reputation. Oh, people are so concerned about their reputation. But the Lord Jesus had no reputation. He was nobody. He came from a place where they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know? And they, another time they said, look, from out of Galilee arise no prophet. Yeah, no reputation at all. He had the biggest reputation in the world, in the universe. 
He was the one who created everything. Seen and unseen. He created by the word of his mouth the entire thing. God created the heaven and the earth, we're told, in the beginning. And we're told in John that he was there in the beginning. And by him was all things created. And yet he took no reputation with him. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. First of all, he took the took the <coughs> took the form of a servant in his body. As you gradually now, you young people there, and anybody who's younger than me is by definition young. <laughs> you're young, you're, you think your body's functioning pretty well. But let me tell you, it doesn't take much to learn that this human body has got some serious flaws in it. But he took upon himself the form of a servant, a human body. It was a human body that got tired, it got hungry. It got thirsty. It got sleepy. And the final proof of his humanity was that he died. You can't get more human than dying. So he took upon himself the form of a servant, the shape of a servant. But not only that, if you look over in, in uh, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. But Jesus called to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and the great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. His work was the work of a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Let this mind, this standard, this is the standard we're told to, to live up to, is to be a servant. To be a servant. And was made... He took upon him the form of a servant back in Philippians and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Not just he was there as a man, but even as a man, he humbled himself. He was not a rich man. He was not a powerful man. He was not a man with authority who could, who had 
the power of this world at his disposal, that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Obedience is an interesting thing. Do you know that you can't get obedience in theory? Think about it. Parents, getting obedience from your children. Can they be obedient in theory? Not really. The only way they can be obedient is in practice. Does obedience come easy? No, it doesn't. In fact, it says... Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 8, speaking, well, 5 5, we'll start. And also, Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he, he that said unto him, Thou art a son, this day have I begotten thee, as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. He learned obedience by being obedient to his heavenly father you cannot be theoretically obedient you can only be practically obedient and there we have the lord jesus and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross you know we i remember one person talking about the things that god can't do and they said, you know, God can't lie. God can't love you anymore. God can't love you any less. And I said, yes, but there was something that God had to learn. And that was obedience. That the Lord Jesus Christ had to learn obedience. Even the death of the cross. What's Paul getting at here? What do you think of yourself? Now these, as we said, these two women were not in doctrinal error. They were not evil. But they had the wrong mind. They did not have the mind of a servant. And that's the problem. Do we think of ourselves as servants? You say, oh yes, I'm a servant of God. Well, are you a servant of the lowest other Christian? Because this is the mind who, of Christ who served in life and in death. 
Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who was a servant. <coughs> I have my rights. You hear people say that? Christ didn't have any rights. Servants don't have rights. They may occasionally get a privilege granted by their master, but they do not have rights. What do you think about yourself? Do you think of yourself as a servant? Not the servant of God, but a servant of other people. Now, this church, like the church at Philippi, coming into a new year. We've got a new year coming up. And there's lots and lots of things are going to be happening. So, what do we need? Well, you might think, well, we need... We need a pastor and we need deacons and we need Sunday school teachers and we need children's ministry people and we need children's church people and we need people to do the booking in at the front and everything. And the answer is no. This church does not need pastors and deacons and people in this job and people in that job. This church needs servants. People who say, I'll do any job. I'll do anything that this church needs to help it along and to reach the lost. Not a job that makes me look good. Not a job that gives me people patting me on the back. Not a job that says, oh, how wonderful it is. Not a job that I find easy to do but the job that needs doing as a servant. This church desperately needs servants. The church of Jesus Christ in the world today desperately needs servants. It needs people with a servant's mind and a servant's heart who will serve the Lord Jesus Christ and other people before themselves, who can it truly be said that this mind is in them, which also is in Christ Jesus. So that we can say of the people in our church that the beloved people are of the same mind in the Lord. Amen. We do not need To mind the wrong things. Now there's a whole other sermon in here. And maybe I'll get to it next time. When it talks about the people who are doing the, the, the wrong things. And who are causing trouble. Who it says in uh, Philippians 3. 19 says that they mind earthly things. They mind earthly things. Their mind is taken up with the things of this world. You know, there's a saying about that goes around sometimes that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly use. Well, I've never met one. 
I've never met anybody who is so heavenly minded they're no earthly use. You know why? Because if they're heavenly minded, they're a great deal of use on earth. Because they have the mind of Christ who says, I'm a servant. That is being heavenly minded. It's minding the things of heaven before the things of earth. Oh, what then shall we say? Brethren, do you want to rejoice in the Lord? Then mind the things of heaven. Do you want to be in a position where you can say, like the Apostle Paul, whether I live, it's great. If I die, even better. Do you want to be able to say like him, that I have learned in every situation thereby to be content? Do you want to be content? People think contentment comes from having, uh, you know, great things. No, contentment comes from having very few wants. If you don't want anything, you're content. Do you want to be content in whatever place the Lord puts you in? Then let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. That's the way you do it. Do you want to rejoice? Then let this mind be in you. Do you want to be content? Then let this mind be in you. Do you want to achieve great things for God? Then let this mind be in you. Do you want to be able to get on to well with other Christians. Then if you are both of the same mind in the Lord, if you both have said, let this mind be in me, then you will get on together. Mind. Are you in your right mind. I said that we use the word mind in a whole series of different ways. How's your mind today? Is your mind on the things that matter? Is your mind on the things that are important? Or is your mind on the things that the world says are important? Well, Never mind. <laughs> Are we ready to be servants? Are we ready to have a servant's mind? So brethren, just as that church in Philippi would have sat quietly and eagerly waiting to hear the message from Paul. You ever wonder how long it takes to read the book of Philippians out loud? About 12 minutes. That was the length of the sermon. 12 minutes. I don't think anybody in that church was ever the same again afterwards. And I'll guarantee that those two dear sweet ladies that one day we'll meet in heaven were never the same again. Let this mind be in you. You know the mind you need. It's a servant's mind. Willing to do whatever is necessary for the glory of God. 
But, well, maybe, maybe you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, and he's out of his mind. Because this is just, just noise to me. I've been listening patiently to this guy speaking and really all I'm hearing is, it's just not making any sense to me. That's probably because the mind of Christ means nothing to you because you're not a Christian. If you're not saved, you cannot have the mind of Christ. If you're not saved, you cannot have the blessing that comes from being in that mindset. If you're not a Christian today, you need to be. This world will chew you up and spit you out if you're not. But if you want to be of a right mind for this world, you can be. You can have your sins forgiven and a home in heaven guaranteed and you can have the mind of Christ if you ask for it. If you need to be saved today, you come and talk to me. Come and talk to Pastor Frank. We'll listen, we'll talk and we'll show you how you can meet the one that we said this mind was also in Christ Jesus. We'll introduce you to him. Brethren, let this mind be in you. Thank you. Thank <clears throat> you.